I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show gonna take my horse to the old town road and oh, i'm man, gonna I seen take that my horse to the old town road take my horse i don't know the lyrics actually that's probably for the best. <laughs> so many, so many, so many damn books. Well, welcome back to So Many Damn Books, where we talk about books, not music. Again, probably for the best. <laughs> um, but uh, it's good to be back. It is. I hope everybody has had a nice hot summer full what'd of you do hot, with, hot What'd books. you do with your summer vacation? Oh, you know. I read a lot of books. Sure. Um. I feel like I took my summer vacation in spring. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. It hasn't helped that it has been hot everywhere this summer. So it's not like there's really anywhere you could go to escape the heat. The mountains, they were hot. The beaches, they were hot. The cities, even hotter. That's why it's time to read books in front of an air conditioner. Absolutely. You know? Uh, and, and I think it's a t- I, I think I've underst- understand now that like you kind of feel bad about... Um, kind of lazing around so i think that that's why i'm drawn to like bigger books or more difficult books like i read philip roth for the first time mm-hmm. um what you what i read counter life oh okay it's really good it's really weird um and i also now see that this is like one of those key texts where like a lot of other people have done counter life and i didn't know mm-hmm. i can't cite my work here i can't tell you sure <laughs> I'm but yeah, you know, to. when you're reading the thing, you're like, oh. Oh, they all read. Yep, yep. You I know, know Jonathan Safran Foer, I'll just say, like, his, sure. most of his work is based on Philip Roth, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> now that I know. And it's great. No, like, Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, but it was, a, it was an interesting read. And so do you, do you agree? Is this, do you think that might be why? This is my, this is my theory, I'm, my hypothesis. Just putting in the work. Well, I think it all comes back to school. You know, that idea that summer and summer reading was, all right, we know that you're not going to have time to read Frankenstein eighth graders when you're in school. So we're going to force you to read it over the summer. I think there's a bit of that. There's mm-hmm. there's like, this is a time for enrichment of some kind, or like the reading that we're doing should feel like work, but we're also both nerds. So it's like, what's the work that'll also be fun? <laughs> Maybe you that's know? what it is. Um, let me tell you about this drink. Oh, sure. Because it's called the air conditioner. Hey. Um, because it's, it's cooling. It is cooling. And, uh, and I... You put, a, you put a U in that cooling. That was interesting. That was a good... I like that pronunciation. Huh. So I have totally gone all in on the hard seltzer game. 
Um, yeah, you were telling me. I I went. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> but I would totally uh, go into being a we should. I would totally pitch seltzers on this show if we had the ability to, because it's um. <laughs> I've got. I've tried a bunch of different of the types out there. This is a cucumber seltzer. I'm not going to tell the brand name because I want someone to actually sponsor us this way. Uh-huh. Um, Sorry, but I'm just it, trying to find more names of seltzers that I can try to layer in to things. Uh-huh. Uh, and so you, this is just a cucumber seltzer poured over ice cube um, and with a little, just a splash of Aperol and an orange slice. And so it's kind of just a... Truly? Truly? Is that all it is? <laughs> oh my God, you have to stop now. You're, you don't get to do any more. <laughs> that's not even a hard seltzer. It says so on the internet. Oh, I think they make a... Mm, an... That's very naughty. <laughs> but it's short for nautical. Anyway, I'll... Uh, yeah, I will stop. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this is just a drink. Like, honestly, just buy Aperol and put like a, a splash of it into seltzers. Hard or not, it is a delicious addition. Um and you'll feel okay about it because there wasn't any sugar in it to begin with. Oh, uh-huh. Other than alcohol sugar. Sure. Have you tried it with other seltzers? Mm-hmm. This is the best one. No, but other flavors. Like, would you recommend that people stay away from certain flavors? No. Oh. No, most of the seltzer, flavored seltzer companies are, are taste like LaCroix. So if you like those flavors in LaCroix, now they've secretly added alcohol they've into them. Put, sure. Yeah. Grain alcohol into them. Great. Yeah. So that's my that's the drink. It's the air conditioner. It's a good one. It's a good simple summer drink. And it really is like, you know, you can just drink it in front of the air conditioner with a book, and it feels like living something of your best life, or at least the best life the future can give you when it's so hot. Yeah, yeah. Should we talk about what we bought? Yes, sure. Why not? Uh, New York Review Books had a sale earlier this oh, summer. Thanks a lot, Aaron Summers, for pointing this out to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. It was hard to say no. Uh, so I picked up three. One that that has a purposeful connection to something that we're talking about later. And then when I was there, I was like, well, I might as well get a couple <laughs> more <laughs> that I've been meaning to get while I'm here. Everybody, I think, knows because, how that goes. Because they had, the deal was, one, 10% off, two, 20% off, three, 30% off, yeah. four, 40% off. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't get to four. And, and feel like and okay feel, with yourself. Yeah. I felt like three at 30%, that was a deal that I felt like I was really, I was coming out ahead, <laughs> even though like that's obviously that's not true. That's not how that works. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the the book that I went there for was Gene Stafford's The Mountain Lion, uh, which I'll explain why that comes up later. Uh-huh. Um, the other two, Elaine Dundee's The Dud Avocado. Oh, yeah, that's a... Just been meaning to get that forever. That's an old recommendation of mine, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, and the other is an oft-recommended by tons of authors cutting across genres... Tove Jansen's The Summer oh, Book. That's on my list too. Nice. I bought that too. Hey. Yeah. It um That was also in Erin Simmer's roundup of like titles that she was like, these are good, mm-hmm. I think. She had a whole list and I bought a I bought uh one that she I had the The Big Clock by Kenneth Fearing. Oh nice. Yeah. It's fun because then you get them like the the oh, color spines. The same it's just size. it's I'm so into yeah. it. Yeah. Every time. I get it. 
You know, yeah. Um, I got I I bought a couple of those. I've I've already mentioned. I oh, the Fountain Overflows by Rebecca West, and that was purely like I'm gonna just read these descriptions, nice, and and choose one based on like that sounds cool. Um, and I also did a Google search for New York Review of Books hidden gems. Ooh, to see what people was there a listicle oh there did you in the right direction there were many listicles mm, and i read and so i don't remember the listicle that came from but it's like some some magical realism i love that cool and then um i got really into this uh this little publisher spurl editions mm. i was reading through their backlist and it all sounds amazing and i just bought one um death to the fascist insect Ooh, which like is that. the uh edited by John Brian King and it's a compilation of a compilation of writings and transcribed recordings of the Symbionese Liberation Army mm-hmm. which was a radical left-wing group out of the Bay Area in California. Yeah. And this and they were in the mid 70s and it's just a collection of their writings and it's like one wow. of the coolest covers I've ever seen. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking at it from across it looks pretty it looks like a tarot card. Yeah. Kinda. And uh all of their uh books they send you like a postcard as the um bookmark oh, and neat. they they just do a nice job cool um yeah sprawl editions really beautiful books and really some really strange um reissues yeah wow it sounds like it uh, i i recommend everyone going to look at their list because they're also um all the same sort of new york review ah, book style uh-huh. nice <laughs> should we take our horse to the old town road oh boy uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so okay i'm we always make a bet during the tournament of books um that whoever chooses the winner gets to choose a book to make the other person read mm-hmm. um and i won this year and i actually already gave drew this present for christmas so, so that was perfect so it was time for him to read it <laughs> um because it's one of my absolute favorite books mm-hmm. um and it also is one of my dad's absolute favorite books mm-hmm. and my um my coworker's favorite book like this is like it connects my whole world uh this particular novel um and yeah i don't know i think it's i think it's just like the lushness of this western story what is it tell us what the novel is oh it's uh, lonesome dove by larry mcmurtry mm. winner of the 1986 pulitzer prize and it's basically um, it's a novel about two cowboys. Uh, mm-hmm. the, and they are, it's post, they're, they're past their prime, I'd say. Sure. Uh, Gus and Call. Yeah, they were Texas Rangers. And Together. now they're heading into their twilight days mm-hmm. in various ways. And uh, they live in a place called Lonesome Dove. And they get called into, they, they hear a siren song of, Mont- <laughs> of Montana. Mm-hmm. And they they decide. What if we go steal a bunch of cattle and take them up to Montana? <laughs> you know, well, like I'm we not always doing did. anything this weekend. Why not? Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, that's kind of the like. Well, sure. Well, well, that's how it is for Call, who's looking for an adventure, right? But Gus is, um, Gus is like, heck no! I enjoy this porch. I like my whiskey. I we have a nice life here. Yeah. And then he hears that his old, you know love his daisy mm-hmm. is um just across the plains instead of at the dock yeah it's a great gatsby reference drew 
<laughs> Take that look off your face. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I love this book. Um, I was just reading it over, just like flipping through. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many like just little turns of phrases that Larry McMurtry, he's just like, I'm going to, he. I'm using every Western thing that oh, I can just yeah. put down. Um, and it's, it's, it's just so readable. Mm-hmm. But I know that I haven't read this with 2019 eyes. Yeah. Um, I read this, I think, eight years ago. Um in the one of the trade paperback enormous brick version mm-hmm. <laughs> um which i was very disappointed to find i don't know where my copy of that is oh really yeah it's like definitely over a thousand pages uh-huh. yeah yeah and i loved that reading it like that mm-hmm. um it's one of the few kinds of books that where i'd like i almost i want the spine to break mm-hmm. i like i really want it to look like i mean some of my favorite reading experience like it uh-huh. was a trade paper uh-huh. like that yeah anyway so Okay, so I made you read it. <laughs> yeah, it, I found myself going into it knowing that it is so many people whose opinions I dearly respect. One of their favorite books, if not their favorite book, I was like, okay, this is going to be, this is a real deal. Um, and I think that had I read it as a younger man, mm-hmm. I would have unequivocally loved it. Because it, it, you could say that it gets off to a slow-ish start. His writing is lush and beautiful right from jump. But you're sort of like, what's the deal? Just a bunch of cowboys hanging out? Well, and it's it's funny enough and, and sort of like, I don't know. F- it's not folksy because mm-hmm. that's not the correct word. But it's like, it's of the time enough that you really feel like he's, you you do feel like you're in the hands of someone you trust. Like, okay, yeah. I do think you're, gonna, you're going somewhere with this. Yeah, and it's that thing where by. And these people are kind of, even though they're not great people, they're fun to hang out with. Yeah, and by page 100, you're into it. Totally. In a way that is deceptive. It's like very slowly sliding into a body of water and suddenly you're underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was doing the thing that I often do with big long reads where I was breaking it up a little bit. I was reading some poetry in between. I was reading a couple of short stories, which I like to do because it's a, just a nice palate cleanser. And I found that each time I was coming back, I was renewed and I was excited and I was... I, all of the things that I love about his writing were like right there and I was with it. Even as I was, I feel like it's easy in 2019 to be able to point out the flaws of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, like Jake is the biggest fuckboy in the world. Totally. What an asshole. Mm-hmm. But like you also, you're supposed to think he's an asshole. You're kind of supposed to think that all of these people are assholes. Yeah. It's funny. He's, um, he, it's like they're so awful <laughs> like they're they're, yeah. they're they're really sweet to each other and they're like have a they're charming but then but they really are like you know uh they've killed a bunch of indians and mm-hmm. they like they like think nothing of stealing and like the uh, they're often like just pulling their guns and him being like hey i'm gonna leave that snake alone i don't need to shoot it right now <laughs> yeah you know like i think that it's funny i'm gonna should i read this quote i was showing you before yeah oh i think so because um, it, it really has me thinking too about about why I ultimately couldn't get down. Um, so this is this is what um, Larry McMurtry said about the novel. Uh, I guess it's 14 years after it was published in the year 2000. He wrote this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
in a foreword to the, to the book. He says, it's hard to go wrong if one writes at length about the Old West, still the phantom leg of the American psyche. I thought I had written about a harsh time and some pretty harsh people, but to the public at large, I had produced something near to an idealization. Instead of a poor man's inferno filled with violence, faithlessness, and betrayal, I had actually delivered a kind of gone with the wind of the West, a turnabout I'll be mulling over for a long, long time. Yeah. And so I think that like that sort of rang true for how I read the book because I actually sort of like liken it to um <laughs> I was thinking about if you only uh the movie Requiem for a Dream. Uh-huh. If you only um watch the first half of that movie, you can be like, Wow, drugs look really fun. You fall in love with your person <laughs> yeah. and like you feel great. And then like the second half of the movie is all downturn. Um and the, That's interesting. And in this book there's so much of like there's heroic moments and like these there it feels like an old western movie um mm-hmm. in the best way like the best old western movie you've ever watched in a way and then the mythos sort of crumbles and it's horrible and like di- like disgusting and difficult and and scary yeah i mean i think the thing for me with this is i think the the gone with the wind reference is actually a really telling one um because i think that McMurtry is falling into a trap that most white writers of the 20th century fell into by virtue of looking at a time, like this idea that the West is this phantom limb of American history. I would argue that it is the opposite. The West is like the fundamental myth of American history. This idea of westward expansion, this idea of, that if it is there we should take it we are the ones who can have it and that is more than the the revolution more than anything else that's ever happened in this country that that's the thing that i look at in 2019 as the fundamental problem of how we got to where we are i even novels that i've loved this one and which i i did enjoy so much of this novel but like um the sun mm-hmm um or or even some of the like old school Zane Grey westerns that I read as a kid. Mm-hmm. All of them or I mean the actual like Dante's Inferno of the West, which is Corinne McCarthy's Blood Meridian. Um mm-hmm. all of those novels, there is some idealizing of what's happening. And I think it's interesting that he didn't mean to. He that he didn't mean to, but also he that like he proves himself a liar in that sentence because he's pointing out this thing that even if he didn't mean to this is the narrative that has been built up we look at like cowboys are heroes regardless of how violent they are well i think that that's why he's saying phantom limb is like it was it's not there and and maybe we think it's we think it's there but it isn't like we didn't have the american west as we think we had it no but that's the thing we did it's it's but not as we not as the american consciousness does like i think that people think that the west was you know the good the bad and the ugly and uh silverado and and it's Mm -hmm. not Uh, but i mean they think it's lonesome dove and it was like the the thing that turned me off from this book is a the way that he allows a very a tremendously nuanced and powerful female character to ultimately just become a victim 
Well, but I think which that is he, not untrue to the West, but also in the way that he it felt, I felt let down by the decision. It felt like he didn't know what to do. But also, there's just like the casual racism that is rampant through this book, and it's not to say that like, you know, Indians were capturing people and raping women and scalping, but like, there's a little bit of. You look at the stuff that Call and Gus are doing as they are raiding across the border, and they are they are no better. In fact, they're worse. Well, that, but I think that that's all there. I think that's I don't think that's subtext. I think that's on the surface. I think you're well. And, but and this that's... is the, it's like with Gone with the Wind. It's this idea that there is there it, like you're right. It is all there. It's not subtext. It's all in this book. The problem is that the narrative around the West that has been built up is one that. We look at that and we're like, well, it was a different time. Well, it was the West. Things okay. were wild. Like, it is all part of the text, and that's the problem. So what's what? Do, what do you mean? So what's the solution? What's the? I think the solution is either. I mean, there's one world in which we. You can't discard these stories. You can't discard Huck Finn. You can't discard Lonesome Dove. And it makes me think of. Um, when GQ did that list of like read this not this mm-hmm. the first one was Lauren Groff saying I love Lonesome Dove but I think that the toxic masculinity of cowboy culture that this book is sort of like the totemic figure for mm-hmm. is the cause of most of the problems in this country today and so she recommended The Mountain Lion this Gene Stafford book um, and I, I think it's that I think it's that we must counter program to these narratives it's not that we write these narratives off it's not that we don't read them but it's that they've a book like lonesome dove that's i mean my copy is uh 858 pages long Mm -hmm. and it's like i mean even it's like you didn't finish it right no um i did watch i rewatched the miniseries which i had watched a long time ago i realized about two-thirds of the way through it i was like oh shit i've seen this before Mm mm-hmm but it's like, okay, the last line of the novel reminds me of the last line of Casino Royale. Okay. In that it is, it's tremendously powerful and it is fundamentally unacceptable in polite society today. Okay. Where the woman, Dillard whispered, the woman, they say he missed that whore, <laughs> is the last line of this book. And, the, and like the last line of Casino Royale is Bond on the phone and he's like, that's right, the bitch is dead. Mm. It's like that's it it speaks very powerfully to machismo and a, a period of time and a way of behavior that we have to acknowledge. But what's what's the book that somebody who reads Lonesome Dove and then you're like, okay, also read this. It's funny because I think that what I think the counter programming that you're talking about is what he thought he was doing. And I can see it mm-hmm. because there's so much of the ugliness that there isn't like it, it like I I don't see a lot of their moves as heroic. Or and I don't right, s- and right. I don't see these characters as um, as heroes and and I see them as interesting flawed people mm-hmm. that I am you know and I don't and I don't think that but I think that those those myths are so strong right the cowboy myths are so strong that we can't help but try to think like oh yeah we they should be the one to prevail in this skirmish with the native people right <laughs> so it's a uh, but i mean it's still so truly put and the, the 
the the way that these characters jump off the page mm-hmm. is is unreal. Oh and, yeah, and I think that that's why people get so attached to it. Is like Gus and Call and everybody else, but truly Gus truly and Call. Truly Gus and Call are amazing, vivid walk off the page and into your living room characters. Right, and there's I mean he wrote three other books about them you know mm-hmm. like there's there's i think two books before and one book one after book after right and um it's it's an incredible book from just the craft perspective of how he keeps you caring about a very large cast and wants to talk about a lot of mm-hmm. of the uh, of the milieu it's just i think it's inter- and i'm watching the ways in which blood meridian and the work of cormac mccarthy has sort of I mean, the two books came out, I think, at the same time or within a year of each other. Mm-hmm. That Blood Meridian has begun to eclipse Lonesome Dove in a way that when it was published, it people couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. And I think that the book that McMurtry maybe thinks that he was writing, this idea of yeah, is, yeah. is Blood Meridian, and that's the book that if you read that, there's no way you can walk away from that and be like, the West was great! Because it's so violent and everyone's so reprehensible. Here, he's... In a, you, in you a way, like the characters yeah. more. Yeah, they're likable in, yeah. that, in, that, in that phraseology. And so you look at it and you're like, well, the fact that like the whole, not, I'm not going to say love triangle exactly, but like the ways in which all of the men in Lonesome Dove interact with women, mm-hmm. with the exception of Jake, you can really write it all off. You're kind of like, oh, well, that's charming. Oh, well, this... that's. That's the West. Yeah, in a way that if you if you made it truly reprehensible, mm-hmm. and it's not even necessarily putting a modern spin on it. It's so much as it is just like not. I don't. I don't even know quite what you do because again, I mean, Blood Meridian was written at the same time. Well, I mean, like, and you can see that, like, even now, like, Westworld is an incredibly big show, and uh-huh. they di- they decided to not touch the American West stuff and do way more of the sci-fi side of things, like, for the whole for the whole run of the show, even though, like, all of yeah. that felt there. Yeah, uh, oh, like totally. Like, something that they were going to explore. I think it's tough to explore. I think it's, I think it's hard because even, even Cormac McCarthy, he has to, he's writing about some of the worst people while he's writing, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, uh, and still people end up trying to make them into heroes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it just goes to show that increasingly there's an onus on writers or there's an onus on readers. That I, too. I, I, that think, too. I think it's like, well, like what, what sort of bargain are you making when you're reading, when you're pick, reading this mm-hmm. book? Like, what are you deciding to, to take as like and and read as as a 2019 person right yeah it's funny gone with the wind is not a book that really people talk about too much today because everybody is pretty conscious of the ways in which it was tremendously racist and Mm -hmm. super problematic but it's interesting that he's like oh 30 years ago Mm. i was trying to write that i was trying to write a west like well or that people perceived that that's what yeah 19 years ago he thought maybe he had done that right but I, you know, that's, it's, it's, you can never see which way the road is going to turn, mm-hmm. but also maybe by trying to be as, as progressive and honest as you can be in the present, right. that will ensure you for the future. In well, a way that this book, I think, might still pull off. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think that's, 
because he's also dealing with you know it's it's bigger than just the west like the you mm-hmm. know he says that he's thinking he wasn't thinking of any historical characters when he was writing it. Like people have right. been like, Oh, it's, it's this cowboy. It's this one. Right. And he's like, no, no, no. I was thinking more of like Quixote and Sancho Panza mm-hmm. when I was writing this, not like, and so like, I wonder if that sort of belies what he's saying as well. Cause it's like, those two are very right. like, totally silly. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, Call and Gus are sort of, you they can, are, there is a, a comedic, they're one step away from being a well, comedic they're, duo. They're the odd couple. They're like, I like it clean. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. it dirty. Uh. <laughs> it went against uh, Continental Drift by Russell Banks and Accidental Tourist by Ann Tyler. Two authors that huh. still work for the Pulitzer. Those were the other finalists. Just huh. a just a curiosity's note. Yeah. About if, if you were curious what what it was up. I don't. Against. I mean, I don't know either of those books by those authors, but no, me neither. But you know, Russell Banks, you've read some recently, right? I read Rule of the Bone a couple of years ago, and Ann Tyler, we both read. Yes, yeah, for the of tournament. Blue Thread. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I th- I feel like some all of my favorite book experiences are when I've gotten to really share all of it with someone else. Mm, and when mm-hmm. I was talking about it with, when I talk about it with my uh, coworker, Ryan, or with my dad, um, I can just say any part of the book and they're like, Oh yeah, I know. Like they know that as well as like people know parts of their favorite television shows. You right. Know? Right. Cause it's, and you know, it's not like they read it all the time. Um, yeah. It just sticks with just, you. It's just very, it's so alive. Mm hmm. The images and the the miniseries I hear is pretty actually pretty dang close. It's yeah, it's really especially considering it came out as long ago as it did. Who are the um? It's uh. It's um. Tommy Lee Jones is Call, uh-huh. which is great. It's great. And um, oh man, I'm forgetting the name. Robert Duvall is Gus. Great casting. Also great. Boy, Just people, th- people are probably itching to reboot that. I'll tell you that much. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, now I have a big question for you. Uh-huh. Because um, I know that you have been in a um, getting rid of books. Oh, sure. Um, situation. And yeah. you don't need to tell me. But do you, do you, are you going to keep this because it's connected to the show and like a I gift? I think so. Or yeah. Th- and on, and it if also... it wasn't a gift, would you get rid of it? I don't think so. Mm. I think the writing is too strong and I did it. This is this weird thing. And I think it is a sign of my increasing maturity as a reader Mm -hmm. that despite the fact that I didn't finish it because I made the conscious decision that I was like, Nope, this plot change is too much for me. And it's 2019. Everything's going to hell. And I don't feel like I also, I had read like 500 pages at that point. So I was like, I I got it. Mm -hmm. There's there is so much that I really deeply admired and enjoyed that it's this weird thing where even though I didn't finish the book, I still enjoyed what I did read. But yeah, I think that you can really love that book and not finish it. Yeah. I I mean, I just I also just did it with that new Neil Stevenson book with Fall. Mm. I basically skimmed the last 200 pages because I loved everything coming up to it. And then I was just like, I think I don't need to read read all of this. Sure. You know? I think that there is, but I like I don't know that I would have responded to that book in that way had I not so recently had this experience. Interesting. Yeah, which has huh. also then led me to help 
more easily get rid of things. So how many books have you gotten rid of? I have not kept total track, uh-huh. but I would say between the combination of things that came off of my to-read shelf mm-hmm. and things that came off of the previously read shelves, uh-huh. I'd say it's probably close to 100. Wow. Yeah. To think you had 100 books to get rid of. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Oh, I mean, I'm right there with you. I, just... I mean, this, but it also, like, so what I did was, I was I was concerned with the state of my to-read shelves. This is good. So this is this is good for everybody. It, the, this is a good, um, instead of Marie Kondo, this is, this is a good so many damn books version of, like, if you want to do some culling. So you can you can apply whatever metric you want or need to. Mm-hmm. It's I would imagine, even among listeners of this show, probably relatively rare <laughs> to get that to this. Point. You have books that you acquired six seven years ago that you haven't read that you keep on your to read shelf. And actually, I would love to know people. If you're like I have a book, I want to know what books you have like seven ten years old that you're like I. Someday. Yep. I'm not going to get rid of it ever. Because also, like, right there, with had plenty, and it's just, I, well, I can't, I'm, I know I'm going to read it at some point. Mm. Um, I also, I mean, like, now that I'm more of an adult than I was when I was 22. Okay. Like, you know what? If I end up five years from now really wanting to read that book, I can go fucking buy a $9 paperback of it. You yeah. Know? It's they, like, it's not. The book does not stop existing when it leaves your shelves. Um. So I went and I said that anything that had been on my to-read shelves for more than two years, so anything, and I actually bumped it up a little bit, so September 2017 was the line that I drew. You Uh, you got rid of everything before that line or you just considered those? I went to my fiance and I said, I cannot make an impartial decision about these because obviously I still have all of them. And there were some that I had even put on a Goodreads shelf called X. It was like, I'm probably going to get rid of this, but I hadn't fucking done it. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> that's a, that's a step. That's so, so funny. I know. Right. That's like putting, it's not on the t- take shelf yet. It's put on the maybe to take. shelf. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. There were, there were a couple that I sort of said, I'm going to keep these no matter what. Like I, I have a bunch of Murakami books because when they were changing over the paperbacks, I tried to get all of the old paperbacks if mm-hmm. I could. So like I'm gonna read those at some point in those. So stay. you had her choose, and then you took a couple out from those, or I said that only that she would probably know. I highlighted like I want to keep these Murakamis. I want to keep the few Cesar Iras that I haven't read. But like she also told me that she understood that later because she knows that I love both of those authors and that I want to be a completist with those authors, and so mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. sense. She went through and chose then and did hang on to a couple things where she was like no actually i do think you're gonna read this mm-hmm. um but so we did that and then i was like you know what what do you think about everything else and we sat together she did that without me in the room and i couldn't argue with her mm-hmm. if she said no you're not gonna read this it was gone okay and um, then you did another another pass through together. we went through together and she was like why do you want to read this are you actually gonna read this that's fun that's a fun and we still a nice fun still were losing things and then at that point I was in the I was like okay I can get rid of shit mm. and that's when we started on the read shelves um and we both did that there were things on this shelf that she has read that she was like you're I didn't love this book I forget this book you're not going to read it let's get and so that really did help mm-hmm. but I find myself now I'm even still in like I feel it a little bit I'm more um 
less precious about getting things rid of yeah. things. I understand that. I'll pick something up and I'll start reading it and I'll read 10, 15, I'll read 30 pages of something and then I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, this is not, I could read this and I could finish it and I could feel nothing about that and so scrap it. Throw it away. Which is, gotta tell you, it's free. I'm down to, I think, 182 right now and my goal now this year is at the end of the year, I want to be at or under 150 and I'm committing to stabilizing there. Mm, and never getting above it. Interesting. Or if I get above it, then it's like I have, I don't know, a certain amount of time to get back under it mm. or something. Interesting. Yeah. Have you, I mean, you don't, you don't frequently do a big cull, but that's no, because I do you're. No, I do mini culls all yeah, the time. Yeah, you're more regular about it. I'm t- I usually, I try to get rid of at least a few books a week. Um, and because I have a, on my walk home, I have a, um little free library Mm -hmm. um and i also just i'm starting to take part in putting books on our stoop yeah um to take away i love that so what do you recommend let's recommend things great I have two things that speak to uh, the West and wow, wow, mythology yeah. in nice. their own way. Okay. One is the ongoing run. We have mentioned it on the show before, but the ongoing run of Ice Cream Man uh, from Image Comics. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I... little, little horror sketches, right? Some of them are. Some of them are just speculative fiction. Some of them, there's an ongoing story that is starting to take shape that involves this clearly malevolent ice cream man and a more benevolent cowboy man in black figure mm. um that's w maxwell prince is the writer the art is martin morazzo and chris o'halloran and it's each issue is a one shot but once you start and i've i recently picked up the second and third volumes when you start reading them in aggregate mm. the weirdness is really wonderful and it's doing interesting things with like the the encroachment of these western archetypes is something that i'm excited i'm excited to see where they go with it Mm -hmm. um the other is a total joyous explosion of everything that you think you know about the west and that's sarah gailey's american hippo Mm -hmm. they have written a story where they dammed the mississippi in louisiana turned it into a marsh and brought in hippos and like hippos were going to be the thing, but then a bunch of the hippos have gone feral. And so it's this team who's been set up kind of a heist. Um, many characters keep calling it a caper and the guy's like, it's not a caper, but they're, they've been sent to clear the ferals out of the marsh. Mm. And it's just every, every trope you can think of from a Western or even like, a Texas, Louisiana style, you know, Wild West story mm-hmm. turned on its head, queered, made funny because they're all riding hippos. It's wild. Mm. I loved it. Wow. They actually ride the hippos. They ride, they ride the hippos. It's genius. Do you want to ride a hippo, Drew? I do now. Said so the guy, um, Winslow Houndstooth <laughs> is our main sort of buccaneery sort of dude and he's got his hippo ruby 
Um, it's just, it's a, it's a blast. Hippos are crazy. Escobar kept hippos. Oh. And now, like in in the in his like island or whatever, uh-huh. they they like are overrunning and like that's. It turns out, yeah. If you give them, if, if you, you give, give a mouse a cookie, if you give a hippo a marsh. So they're gonna hippo it up. They're gonna hippo it up. I hear they get really hungry. Hungry, hungry. Oh man, I'm not even gonna <laughs> indulge that. Pick up sticks. <laughs> okay, what do you what do you recommend? <laughs> um, you know what do I recommend? I recommend this is off the off the top of my head, but I just thought of it. Stephen King's Dark Tower, mm. just the first one. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, the whole series is fun. I actually never finished it. Really? But uh, the first one is fantastic. The Gunslinger is one of the best books of all time. Gunslinger, yeah, so good. Um, but I also recommend um Courtney Mom's. Costalegre. I don't know. I think you did great. <laughs> I, I don't know how to pronounce the title of her book, but it's really good. Um, yeah. And it's about a, uh, a community of artists that are, is sort of escaping um, World War II and uh, on an island. And, or. I think it's just, it might just be the coast. Yeah, just the coast. The Pacific coast of Mexico. And, uh, but the narrator is a teenager um who's coming along with uh, her mom yeah and so she's sort of just amongst the artists and trying to paint herself mm-hmm. but it's great it's sold in diary entries and um it really reminded me of i capture the castle by Dodie smith oh sure i love that book um and it was fun to read like an artist version of it where she like you know a teenager's take on the self-seriousness of artists mm-hmm. is just fantastic oh yeah um, so I highly recommend that and, uh, not a book at all. In fact, one would call it a television show, <laughs> um, is the just canceled Tuca and Birdie. I loved, loved, loved this TV show. Uh-huh. Apparently it's canceled. I was hoping that like in making more seasons, more people would come to it. Yeah. Um, but just go and watch this show. It's so good. It's on Netflix. It's made by the people that made Bojack Horseman. But oh, it's cool. about, um, it's about two women characters. Great. Uh, and it's I think it's Ali Wong and Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish. Um are the main voices. Cool. And it's so funny and weird and like Great. psychedelic. The a- animation is truly like like yellow submarine and wild and insane stuff. Cool. Like all the buildings like sometimes like dance in the um intro. Nice. Yeah. I love a dancing building. But yeah, it's great. Ugh. I'm so, so sad that show is canceled. I loved it. Yeah. Add it to the pile. Right? Apparently, there's a lot of TV out there right now. <laughs> well, we'll be back in we a will. couple weeks. In two weeks. We're back on. We're back on. Back on the horse. Back in the saddle. And uh, please. I'm back! Please in come. The saddle again. To our website, so many damnbooks.com, for all of our book lists that I'm you back! make. And do, 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 do. I'm back can, in the saddle. Do you figure we're gonna get in trouble for that? You can go on iTunes and give us a review. But your singing is so good. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, please uh, make a comment about my Steven Tyler impression. Don't do that. <laughs> make and that the only thing you put in the review. Don't do that. 
just um, reviews five stars. We really appreciate it. Writing about us is very, very, very helpful for ye old algorithm. Uh, you can hit up our Patreon, patreon.com slash SNDB. We, we were just talking about what we're doing next for y'all Patreoners. Uh-huh. Maybe even have two plans. Whoa! What? Look out! Um, and the more people that buy in, the more cool things we can do, to true. be honest. True, true. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just glad to be back. See you soon. See you very, very soon. Go read. It's a nice future. Is it? No.